0: Father thank you um, where would we be if you didn't care about us uh, you not only cared about us you sent your son to become one of us to become sin for us you're our living hope and so father i pray that as we spend some time in your word that you would strengthen our hope uh, that you would stir us god uh, that you would have your way in us, God, as we spend time submitting ourselves to you and to your word in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Hey, welcome, everyone. Thanks for being here. Uh, those in traditions, thank you for lowering that screen. Hi, everybody in traditions. Those of you that are um, with us online, thank you for being uh, there. And uh, we're just glad to be together, right? We're glad to be together. Um, This passage of scripture, this book, is really having a strange impact on me. I hope um, my voice lasts. (laughs) I got pretty fired up in the first service, I'm just telling you. Um, There's um, every reason in the world uh, for you as a follower of Jesus Christ to be greatly encouraged, not because of this world, not because of even your own efforts, but because of the work of God. And he's not only come and died and risen again, he's ascended to heaven, he's coming back. He's coming back. And this, this text that we're looking at, the book of Revelation, really does prepare us. It's intended to stir us. Now, we don't learn anything new. This might shock some of you. We don't learn anything new in the book of Revelation about the nature, the character, the attributes of God. It's not a book written to enhance or build our theology. That's not the intent of this author. The intent of this author is to engage us on a level that typically we do not get engaged on. It's to, uh, it's to really stir us emotionally. It's to uh, make us think outside of our box. It's to help us connect things that have happened in history that are happening today uh, with things that are going to happen tomorrow. According not to Joe McConkie, but according to God Almighty. And so this book is to intersect you in a very real way, like the best, most impactful movie you ever saw. It's written uh, with incredible amounts of emotion. It's written with great detail and dimension. Now, would you agree with me that planet Earth is pretty colorful? Would you agree that there's layers and layers of our reality that we're still trying to discover even on planet Earth? Would you agree with that? And and it's phenomenal, you know, on a micro level as well as on a macro level. There's incredible things that we continue to learn about uh, the layer after layer after layer of our known world. Do you think for a moment that the God that created this Earth of ours that is incredibly brilliant is any less brilliant in his creation of heaven? Do you think there might be even more layers than we already know? Do you think it might not be as binary as God and the angels? Mm, humming together. You know, and nothing else, right? I mean, if the earth is, captures us like it does, and um, I believe that heaven is even of greater grandeur and depth than, than we know. And this book is intended to engage us in some things that we typically don't allow ourselves to get engaged in. And so we're going to be in Ro- Re- Romans. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 8 and 9 and just a little bit out of chapter 11 because we're going to do the seven trumpets today, okay? We're going to end the seven seals. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Don't worry. It just, I just feel important by saying things that really smart people in our room already know, okay? Okay? <laughs> Um, But we're going to allow God's word to interact with us in ways that we typically do not allow ourselves to be interacted with, even with God, okay? Something happens in this text that is intended to get our attention in ways that maybe we have not allowed him to get our attention, and that's kind of a big sale, but it's not me, it's God's word that does this. It's doing this to me. Um, and so, are you ready to jump in? All right, let's do it. Let's, we're going to be in chapter 8, verse 1. When he, who's he? Yeah, and what's his name? Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who is worthy to take these seals, remember? Now we're on the seventh one. When the Lamb of God opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour get back to that. Then I saw the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner. What did that look like? Do you see the reader needs to stop and think and see and imagine? Maybe close your eyes and let the images become real for you. So the seven trumpets, the, the, this, this other angel came with the incense burner, came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Anybody ever prayed in this room? Yeah, I know we're a little ashamed maybe. Is that right? I don't know. I, right? This says that your prayers are in this text. All the prayers of the saints. Past, present, future, God knows it all. Those things that are probable, possible, and actual, God knows it all. With with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, what does a golden altar before his throne look like? Majestic, beyond our imagination. And what about the word here, um, let me go on the the word altar right we we read this word altar in the in that last word of of uh, or the last uh, portion of of the the third verse altar what is the reader supposed to think about when they think about the altar at this point the last time the altar is mentioned is when God speaks to the people the martyrs who are kept under the altar and he speaks to them in answer to their prayer, how long, God, will it be until you exercise vengeance on our enemies who have spilt their blood? How long, God? That's the, the altar. The, so, so we're supposed to be engaged as we see these really gigantic pictures and images God wants to draw us in through his author John here. He was given a large amount of incense with all the prayers of the saints. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. What does that even feel like? What is that like? What does that smell like? You're supposed to smell and you're supposed to feel and hear and touch as this author is writing. The intent of the author of this particular book is to engage us deeply. Body, soul, spirit, emotional, relational, All of it. He wants to engage us. Verse 5, the angel took the incense burner filled with fire from the altar and did what? He hurled it down to the earth. You got to see that. The author, you're missing the point. You're missing the excitement. And do not sit in here like this. That's on you. This text is God's text, his word. And it says... That the angel took your prayers and mixed it with incense and added fire to it. And the angel turned and hurled it down to the planet. We're supposed to feel that in this text. We're supposed to allow God's word to interact with us. In our real mundane world, in our sick, evil world, God wants to bring light to you. He wants you to know that, you, that he hears your prayer. He wants you to know that he's got incense, that he's going to send with it, and fire. He's going to send with it. You're supposed to feel it. Yeah, but we're Minnesotans. <laughs> you got to get over being a Minnesotan if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. All right. Hurled it down to the earth. There were... Peals of thunder, you know, so I mean, it's enough if if we would just kind of imagine this fiery ball coming down on the planet, hitting the earth, and and, and the reader is supposed to, like, feel that. But then it's not alone. It goes on, and it says there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. You feel it? This is God's word given to you. It's trying to draw images that you typically do not allow yourself to emote with. And shame on us. This is God's word that is supposed to interact with us and fire us up because he's on the move. He is not reticent about what his will is. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever prayed it? You're beginning to see it. He is going to do things that we have hoped and prayed for So long. But why, why, why the silence? You could study, you could, you know, Google or whatever you do to find out things in your world. And you could say, where in Scripture does it say that that heaven became silent? You can do that, and the only passage that will ever show up is going to be Revelation chapter 8. Now you can say silence on heaven. Habakkuk 2 will come up. Zephaniah 1 verse 7 will come up. Zechariah 3 verse 17 will come up. That on earth, something God did happen and everybody shut up. was quiet. But this is the only place in scripture. Heaven. God said, I know, I know, you know. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Quiet, twenty-four-seven. You know, from eternity, the the angels have said, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." Quiet. I don't know about you. What 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 makes you go silent? What takes your breath away? Was, I, I, you know, I, I'm maybe I'm silly, but I, I saw a picture of our neighbor across the street, little MJ. He's almost three years old his mommy and daddy just had a brand new baby, baby sister, and she's four pounds, a little tiny thing, but healthy as can be, and we get a picture from our neighbors of little MJ sitting on the couch holding his little baby sister and him staring down at her eyes. It made me quiet. About that same day, last, this is just last week, about that same day, uh, Mary Beth and I have a dear friend that has been in hospice for a while, and she was actively dying this last week, and then she passed away this Friday morning at 945. On Wednesday evening and Thursday evening, Mary Beth went over just to be with her, my wife. On Wednesday, I went with her. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm supposed to be the professional, the pastor, you know, that's coming in to be with this person. My wife is phenomenal. So if any of you are dying, <laughs> I mean, she gets up on the bed with Pauline and she gets really close to her face It takes Pauline's face in her hands. She says, Pauline, I love you and you have loved me so well. She said some other things and, and I'm just like, I'm silent. Then, Mary Beth begins singing, "Jesus loves me." Mm-hmm. That, that silenced me. A few years ago, I was at a Beethoven one of the Beethoven concerts, and you know when I Mary Beth loves Beethoven, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know. But I love my wife and it's our anniversary and it's around when Beethoven's here, so we usually take in a Beethoven or two. So a few years ago we went to one that I thought, oh, this is gonna be a sleeper, because it's a clarinet. <laughs> and I, I'm reading it, it's a clarinet. Last time I heard a clarinet, it was like freshman, you know, orchestra. <laughs> oh my goodness. Save us, Lord Jesus, from the squeak. I can't imagine the families, right, that listen to the clarinet. So I'm thinking, okay, the dude better be good. (laughs) So he plays a concert. It's a beautiful concert. He ends the concert, and he plays this piece called Someone to Watch Over Me. You know the song? Play that song. And after every one of the other songs that he played, there was just an ovation. A phenomenal artist. When this song was done, for for a good 30 seconds, nobody moved. I don't think anybody breathed. It took our breath away. Just the music of this individual silenced us. Ever since it's been my favorite, you know, I'm even willing to announce publicly that that's my favorite song, Someone to Watch Over Me. You know, it's not really a Rambo type of song. You know, it's not really a He-Man type of a deal. Um, But it's mine. I've come to find out every one of us is longing for someone to watch over us. Someone to see us, value us hear us, do for us. So, so that's, that's, I don't know what, what silences you, but those are a few examples. What is it that silences God? I think, that, I think the reader of Revelation 8 is to ask that question. Well, what is such a big deal that God says, quiet, and it's a half hour? And so we kind of take a look at that. You know, I've studied the context several times and read some commentaries and, you know, there's some different ideas. Um, The thing that connects with me more than anything else is that this prayer that these martyrs pray in the sixth chapter of Revelation, how long, God, will it be until you take vengeance on those that have spilt our blood. How long, God? How long? How long? And in the context that we have here, we have the incense are mixed with all the prayers of the saints. And so I have three kids. Mary Beth and I have three kids. Marla, Seth, and Leah, they're all grown. Um, I know it's surprising because I'm in my 30s. Um, They're all grown. And I tell you, they're all adults, right? But I'm telling you, when I see any of their names on my phone, shut up. I'm going to talk to them. Everything else can wait. I think God Almighty is that way every time you, every time I choose to pray. He's all ears. He's all for you. He's not against you. He created you in his image. He knows all about you. He, he never stops thinking about you, according to Psalm 139. His thoughts, you can't even, they're more than the, the little grains of sand um, on a seashore. His thoughts never end of you. I think God Almighty in this particular text is wanting the reader to think about how significant what has just happened and what is going to happen In the text, he is just about to do, in answer to prayer, how long, O Lord? In the text, he is beginning to say, I'm bringing my judgment. I'm bringing justice to you. I'm going to begin the process of making everything in the world right. And I want everybody to be quiet for just a little while before we go to action. I've heard the prayers of all my saints. And I'm going to answer. And so, he answers with trumpets. We had seals in chapter 6 and we had a little interlude between chapter 6 between the seals and the trumpets and it was the the sealing of the hundred and forty-four thousand. it was the the sealing of these saints and all the nations and people coming to to know jesus to praise jesus and then we're at the seventh seal at the beginning of this and so when he the lamb of god opens that seventh seal there's seven trumpets but before that there's silence in heaven Trumpets are loud, and I just wonder, is God a God that's interested in effect? <laughs> I don't want there to be any noise before this first trumpet sounds. I want heaven and Earth to hear the trumpet. I'm answering. The phone I'm bringing judgment and justice to the planet so we have these so it's about to get loud but he wants the reader to get ready he wants you and I to get ready okay what is gonna happen here And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first trumpet, the first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood. Whoa, you're supposed to see it. Allow yourself to see it. The The trumpet's waking everybody up here. God is on the move. He's fulfilling his promises in very real ways. And so the hail, the fire, the mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth, whoa, was burnt up. Have you ever been oppressed? And have you ever wondered, how long is this going to go on, God? Have you ever been hurt so deeply you don't know if you can continue? Have you ever felt the pain of not being seen by any other human being on the planet? Have you ever felt the pain of being rejected? Have you ever felt pain? Have you ever felt depressed? Have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt like there's injustice around the world sometimes hitting you? Have you ever felt it? The beautiful thing about the judgment of God is that he sees it. He sees inequity. He sees that there's injustice. He sees that something needs to be done. I love this about our God. I'm on my way. I'm going to take care of those things. Some things are, have just not been right. And I'm on my way. The second angel blew his trumpet, we're in verse 8, and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood, a third of living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So not only is God sees the earth, he also sees the sea, and he's coming. And, it's, and it's, it's graphic. The effect is that God is on the move. He is going to, to make things right. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star blazing like a, tor- um, a torch fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood and a third of the waters became wor- uh, Wormwood. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter not only the earth but the water we see the sea up there in verses 8 and following in in 10 and following we see the rivers and the springs of water god is coming to take away life our earth and water what's next the fourth trumpet the fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun the light god is serious about judgment god is serious about bringing justice to our planet And we need to allow this text to impact us in this way. This is a big deal to your God in heaven, that you have been oppressed, that you have been hurt. It's a big deal to him that you have hurt others, by the way, and that you have oppressed others, possibly. Huh? It goes both ways. Every human being, those who have already confessed that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, and those who have not, have are guilty of both oppressing and being oppressed. Would you say that? You've hurt and you've been hurt. Everybody's in the same position, right? Justice needs to come. An end to the tears needs to come. An end to the loneliness needs to come. An end to being forgotten needs to come. The end of my poverty and my starvation needs to come. The end to my sickness needs to come. Do you see the passion of God that cares about you? It's silent, and he's sending trumpets to communicate to you, I am on my way. I have always been on my way, haven't I? So a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. So the earth, the water, the sources of life and light, you can't have life without light and water and the earth. He's coming, is the point. Don't get lost in the details necessarily like this is, this is exactly how it's going to happen. He is using the symbolism to get our attention that he's on the move. Is it going to be drastic? Is it going to be horrific? Yes. Really? Hasn't it already been? Is your soul just ready for a resolve of all the chaos on the planet? Would you like to see just one time evil really be given its just due? Rather than winning? Verse 13 says, I looked... And heard an eagle flying overhead, crying out in a loud voice. You're supposed to hear the loud voice. Remember, there was silence and the trumpets broke that silence on purpose. The reader is to be woken up. I'm on the move. And it's going to intensify just like it did with the the seven seals. It's going to intensify with the seven trumpets. It's going to intensify in in chapter 15 and 16 with the seven bulls. And don't see it as sequential. See it as over, of overlapping, cascading more and more. It gets more and more intense as the book unfolds. We're going to get great detail as we move into these next chapters, even greater detail as to what's going on. And there's going to be so many cross angles with your life and with your understanding of Scripture, but also real life for you. God is on the move and he gets us. He understands what it's like on planet Earth. We already know that because he sent Jesus. But he's not done. And he promised. Jesus says, I'm coming back. It's not all done. I'm being patient so that more and more people might choose to repent and come to know me. That's why I'm being patient. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, if you want a proof text on that. The only reason that God is waiting is so that more people come to the knowledge of truth and can turn to God Almighty and be saved. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm praying for some folks that don't know Jesus that I love deeply. And at the same time, I want him to come. <laughs> right? It's a tension, right? Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blast that the three angels are about to sound. So if it's not bad, bad enough already earth and the waters and the light have all been affected now it's going to even get more intense chapter 9 verse 1 the fifth angel blew his trumpet and i saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth the key for the shaft to the abyss oh my goodness this is getting wild the key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him who to this angel that was fallen from heaven. He opened the shaft to the abyss and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace so that the sun, the air, were darkened and the air were darkened by the smoke from this shaft. Hey, anybody go outside yesterday? It was weird, wasn't it? I mean, even my shadow looked red. Right? You know, just... You know, Mary Beth, didn't, she didn't smell anything. I smelled something. Maybe I'm just imagining it. Maybe I'm just, a, you know, tactile. I just, I can f- feel it. I don't know. I was smelling firecrackers. <laughs> Maybe I'm studying Revelation too much. <laughs> I could do it. And I'm good with that. Verse 3, then, locusts came out of the smoke on the, uh, on the earth And power was given to them like the power of a scorpion on the earth. Aren't you glad we don't live in Texas? (laughs) I have not experienced one of these scorpions up here, but I have in Texas. We have two kids that live in Texas. Thank you very much. Yuck. (laughs) They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads get it. Are you getting the picture? Right? Right? You're supposed, to, you're supposed to feel this. You're supposed to be like, ooh. Ugh. It's real. It's painful. It's to get the attention of the human race. They were not p- permitted to kill them. But we're to torment them for five months. Okay, there's fractions in this, um, in the in the ch- these two chapters. The first fraction is one third. Okay, did you did you pick that up? Eight times it said one third in in chapter eight. Now you're going to have five months come about four or five times in this in this section. When you hear this five months, and you hear this one third. I want you to think of the word mercy. It's the mercy of God. I could, I would be justified in blowing the whole thing to smithereens right now. I'm not doing that. Only one-third right now. And only five months... And, and, and when we, when we read so many, like for instance, there's four, I'm going to nerd out for you for a minute, with you for a minute. There's 404 verses in the book of Revelation. There are 518 cross references to one of the 65 books before Revelation in the book. 404 verses, 500, what did I say? I just got my numbers mixed. 18, 15, 13, a lot. Yeah. I think it's 518, 518 references to the Old Testament, mostly to the Old Testament. Think about that. There's nothing new in the book of Revelation. We've all learned it. Human history has learned it. It's in the law. It's in the prophets. It's in the epistles. It's in the gospels. It's all there. In the book of Revelation, we get all of this things are coming together and we're like, this sounds familiar, and we should think of Exodus. We should think of, of the book of Exodus when we, when we hear this. He's, he's coming to let his people go, do you remember? And he's going to bring 10 plagues on Egypt and on Pharaoh, remember? We're supposed to think about that. This is, this is not new, a new way that God works. God has worked like this. I believe yesterday's, you know, darkened sun is is a great place. I know, I'm studying Revelation, so forgive me. I think we need to let the signs tell us stuff. How about you? I I, I think think they're supposed to be there. I think, you know, when I drove to St. Charles yesterday, it took the back roads, I just wanted to get quiet. I went past cornfield after cornfield that was shredded by the hail. That's real. You talk to a farmer, that's real. You know, um, back in 1999, there were 40 um, tornadoes that ripped through the state of Oklahoma in one day 40 of them. And the highest wind rate ever measured on planet Earth in all of history since we've measured things 318 miles an hour was the wind. Never been measured more wind. One of those 40 tornadoes in 1999 in the state of Oklahoma, tornadoes typically stay, come down and they touch down for a few minutes and then they're gone. This one stayed for four hours. Tell me that, that our weather is not going berserk. And that, that's 1999. It's been crazy, hasn't it? Tell me that there aren't war, uh, rumors of war. Tell me that Matthew 24 is not just coming alive. Tell me that, that the book of Revelation isn't just s- s- supposed to be, you know, thought of as some kind of, you know, weird, esoteric, out there type of experience. That's not what I'm picking up when I read as a reader of God's word. I believe that things are happening at a rapid pace. I don't know. I'm not telling you the time. If I tell you the time, you should fire me as one of your pastors. Amen. I'm not doing that. Are, are you saying which, which part? <laughs> I'd rather you pick. Yeah. Oh lord forgive them they do not know what they <laughs> So it's crazy. Weather has gone berserk. We need to listen. We need to watch. We need, we don't need to be afraid. We need to double down on our on our commitment our faith in Jesus Christ. But according to this scripture, things are going to get worse in, intensive, in, a, in an intensive way, in an intense way, right? And we feel it. We should feel it. And aren't you glad that God's word speaks to it? Rather than just kind of leaving us alone like, oh, God didn't see this coming. He's writing it in here in great detail. Maybe too great of detail. The torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Why? Because God is giving people the opportunity to come to him. He's trying to get, if, you know what? God speaks quietly to us in our comfort. He teaches us in a sane voice when he's teaching us a lesson, but he screams to us in our pain. That's C.S. Lewis. How about you? Does pain get your attention? Right? God, God will use pain. He, understand, he made us. He knows how to get our attention. That's what he's trying to do here. I'm gonna, I don't want you to die. I want you to repent, is what this text says. I want you to follow. I want you to trust me. Their appearance of, uh, the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron uh, breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that with their tails, they had the power to harm people for mercy. They had as their king the angel of the abyss, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek, it's Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two other woes to come. Do you remember when the angel came down and the keys we're given, that word given is really important. Satan cannot take anything that is not given him. Satan is under God's control. He's limited. Five months, one third. Sound like Job. Have you ever read Job recently? It's familiar, isn't it? the sixth angel blew his trumpet from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God, and I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, release the four angels found at the great river Euphrates. We're opening up, we haven't seen Euphrates yet in this particular letter, we're going to pick it up later. This is the central, there's two rivers that split modern day Iraq, Babylon during their days, the great river Euphrates and the great river Tigris. Very biblical, you know, they're in biblical history oftentimes. Rome, at this point in time in history, when John would have been writing this, knew that their terror was going to come from the east, from Babylon. They knew it. And so, for the reader uh, in that first century, they would have known they're scared <laughs> of what's going on out east. It's not unlike Israel today. Just over the border of Syria is Iraq. Just over the border of Jordan is Iran. It's interesting. The same fear, Mary Beth and I were just in Israel with some of the rest of you. Um, it's a real, it's a, to, to be there and to touch that ground and to go to the border of Syria and Israel and Lebanon and Israel is, and Jordan and Israel is kind of like, the armed forces are everywhere. But anyway, back here, they knew that from the Euphrates, from that direction was going to come a mighty or army, army that was going to take out Rome. And it was not going to be any better for the people of God. But this was, these, these are real things, real places that John is wanting his readers to connect with then and now. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number, which means someone told me I didn't count them, John says. This is how I saw the horses and the riders in the vision. They had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Do you see it? A third of the human race was killed by these plagues by the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur that came from their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails because their tails, which resemble snakes, have heads that inflict injury. Anybody like snakes in the room? Most of us are like, no, thank you. It's, it's so vivid, isn't it? Now, it might not be exactly like this, but it's going to be just as bad as this. Does that make sense to you? John is writing down to the best of his ability what he's seen on that Lord's Day on the island of Patmos. He's writing this all down. Now, verse 20, we're in chapter 9. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues... Did not repent. Did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons, idols of gold, silver, blonde, bronze, stone, wood. The commentary is interesting which cannot see, hear, or walk. If you are serving anything but the Lord God Almighty, it will end. Is it fame? Is it money? Is it beauty? Is it power? It will end. The only thing that outlasts these things is God Almighty. And so he's trying to get the attention. He, he always has been doing that. Would you agree? He gets, his, he gets your attention and your pain, trying to call you into a relationship with him where you can experience peace in the midst of your pain. He wants a relationship with every human being. But they did not repent. I think it's interesting that um, John points out they cannot see, hear, or walk because God can see, hear, and walk. Jesus came to see and to be seen to hear to be heard and to walk with you. And he has conquered death. There is nothing that you need to fear as you walk with him. You might w- want your circumstances to be different. Yeah. But e- hopefully, if, even if you want your circumstances to be different, you, wa- you choose to walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They did not mm-hmm. repent. <clears throat> Do you have that family member or that friend or that coworker? Like, what is it going to take? Yeah. They've lost their family and their job and uh, right and so what do we do as believers keep on praying like crazy and keep on proclaiming using your own personal testimony who Jesus Christ is to you that is what we're called to do and so those are the six trumpets. I want to peek ahead to the seventh trumpet. It's in chapter 11, verse 15. It'll be on the screen. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there was loud voices in heaven. Remember the first one? All quiet. It's, not, it's, it's getting revved up, man. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. This is coming. It is partially now it's coming that's why we pray god your kingdom come your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven come lord jesus the last words in scripture in revelation 21 come lord jesus and he will reign forever and ever this is like a christmas song the 24 elders who were sealed before god on their thrones fell face down and worshiped god saying we give you thanks lord god the Almighty who is and was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, to those who fear your name. My favorite part about this text, both small and great, some of you might think, yeah, my impact, my input doesn't really amount to much in the kingdom of God. That does not matter. He, he measures you. He doesn't compare you to anyone else. And I don't know about you, but when I read biographies and I read these you know, things that men and women have done, incredible you know, sacrifice, and God has done that, I'm, I think, small, who am I? It's in here. It's in here. None of us have an excuse. You don't have to be great. You just need to trust Jesus. You need to repent of anything that is not of Him. So, if our worship team would come up, we'll try to land this plane. Did they fall asleep? I will sing. Oh, now they're coming. Yeah. (laughs) So, how are you at repenting? Right? It's hard. I I need a little bit more evidence, God. Would you just show me a little bit more? Then, then. Right? I, I think one of the things that the book of Revelation needs to, an effect it needs to have is this effect of, of repentance. That it's not something you do once in a while, it's how you live every moment of every day. It's going to turn to you, God. I've, I've begun to kind of trust those things again, my, those things that, that just have a tendency to, to grab me and, and hold me. So, Father, I pray that you do that in each one of us, that your spirit would give us a heart of repentance, a spirit of repentance, Lord, um, that we would turn to you. And, Lord, Lord that we would uh, not waver in praying, that we would continue to persevere in our prayer life. And, Lord, that you would uh, train us um, how to be wise in our, in our relationship with people that don't know you yet, in our family, workplaces. Would you open up doors of opportunity and help us, Lord? Thank you. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for your commitment to us. Thank you that you're coming and getting us. And until then, Lord, we just want to be faithful. In the name of Jesus, amen.